the question that we ought to ask ourselves is, whose referendum is this? This is uh, Daria Sokola. Mr. James Owata, how are you? I am alive and well. How about yourself? Salama Kabisa, good to hear from you. Thank you very much. I'm glad to be here. We're talking about the uh, the generational questions, of course, both the younger people um, that cross successive um, generations. And mm. I think the question that we always come back to, which is majority of the people who are economically inactive in the country tend to be what we call the young adults, you know, mostly 18 to 24, 25 to 29. Uh, will a referendum or will a <coughs> amendment to our current constitutional document uh, secure better opportunities for them? Um, we, we, without a doubt, a referendum will not secure better opportunities for young people between the ages of 18 and 25. As, as you have indicated. But then again, the question that we ought to ask ourselves is, whose referendum is this? Um, 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 what is the motivating factor of all the reasons under the sun? Why should we have a referendum 18 months or one year or six months to a general election? That if we get to answer that question, we will realize that young people do not sit anywhere or the aspirations of young people are not on the table at which the referendum is being discussed. I mean, we are just, um, we are smack in the middle of a pandemic and we are talking about unskilled young people, unemployed in their tens of thousands. And we are not doing enough to create opportunities for them. Thank God they've been resilient enough to live through the pandemic. A referendum definitely will not change their lives. That is not their priority. Their priority, their vision is 20 today. Their vision is 20 now. How do they provide for themselves? How do they provide for their families, for those who have families? How do they stay alive even for tomorrow? So, I mean, for me to answer that question, a referendum today or tomorrow or the day after will not change their lives. All right. Um, and, and just in light of that, um, this, when it comes to conversations about um, a constitutional amendment and, you know, the, the, all the provisions and conversations around mm -hmm. it, how actively engaged, uh, in your view, has been both intergenerationally, but also mostly for the youth. How's been their engagement with this um, referendum process? Um, as, as far as I know, young people in their collective have not engaged properly with, with even the BBI process, let alone the referendum process. I, I guess in the design of, of um, this, this scheme, young people are um, supposed to come in at the tail end where they would be mobilized and rallied to, to vote for positions that other people may have discussed exhaustively and resolved to undertake. Young people have not. I have not in, in, in uh, the last five, four years um, seen any credible engagement of young people in, in this referendum process. I, I know for a fact that, that BBI did come up with, with proposals, proposed some of which did not need a referendum, um, that 
um, there would be a seven-year seven tax holiday for, for startups or for biz, young people who have uh, started businesses. That does not require a referendum. That is an administrative and policy issue that can be dealt with. Um, number two, that, that young people um, will, will be involved in, 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 in our uh, governance uh, uh, structure. Our present constitution does uh, make provisions for participation of young people and persons and other marginalized groups in our governance structure. I mean, there, there's absolutely no reason to say that we are, we are now rewriting history. We are writing the constitution because we think young people have not been involved enough. We have not involved them enough previously, even with the basic minimums that the present constitution requires of us. So, so in my view, I think young people have not been engaged. Their engagement was anticipated to be at the tail end where they would walk into a polling station and cast their votes according to the provisions that will have been ex exclusively and exhaustively decided elsewhere. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then, of course, um, building just up on that, looking at the question of young people, of course, young people is never uh, a, a monolithic group. Huh? They have diverse interests, um, diverse mm -hmm. concerns. What would you say are some of the key demands from the country as it's currently constituted? And what are some of the ways short of, let's say, a constitutional change? Can we begin to meet some of their concerns and some of their demands? Number one, young or youth is a stage in life. It's, it's not a state of mind. And, and, and young or youth is transient. When I was growing up um, in the 80s, as soon as you finished your secondary education and had one year lapse in between, then you had, um, before you got to university, for those who went to, I mean, for those who went to form sixes and university, there was a stint at the National Youth Service where young people were skilled. Young people learned a skill. That, that, that policy was, was, was a good one. I have seen what, being, what going to the National Youth Service has done in the lives of millions of other young people across this country. What young people would need today um, apart from opportunities for education, for training and employment and participation within the political sphere, how um, accessible is our educational system that a young person would, would, who, who graduates from Form 4 has uh, a means of transitioning into a vocational training or uh, a skilled or, or um, university to learn something. I mean, I mean that, that is critical. For, for me, that is, that is very, very critical. And as soon as they finish or graduate from whatever uh, vocational training center or, or university, then we should be able to create a pathway for, for employment. How do we make young people job creators themselves other than, I mean, this is happening the world over. I mean, the government that used to employ people no longer employs people, but we need to ensure that young people are able to create opportunities for themselves, wherever it is that they are. Uh, that way we'll be able to develop as a country. We need to open the space and give, and, and test the innovation and dynamism of young people in, in, in um, 
realizing their full potentialities. Uh, I think that we have not been able to do as a country. Today, a young person like from where we are at right now, young people would rather be engaged in, in, in border border, right? Uh, um, for me, that is not even sustainable enough. Some of them would sell their land to go buy a motorbike to get 1,200 shillings per day, no scale whatsoever. Uh, uh, if, if we are able to create systems that those who have border borders are in a circle, then they have a spare part shop, then they learn how to be mechanics so that they are able to uh, uh, buy spares from their own shop, repair their own motorbikes, and get to move from that level to the next level. And for me, those, those are critical components of, of any process that seeks to empower and to build on the dynamism and the creativity and the innovation of, of young people. Uh, um, the creative industry, for example, that has not been exploited in this country. There's uh, huge opportunities out there for young people. When we were growing up, our parents did not allow us to sing because they thought those who sing were not intelligent enough. Today, those of us who are able to sing and be engaged in the creative industry make a lot of money. So, so we need to expand the spectrum of opportunities that are available to young people and create policies as government either at the national level or county level, that seek to identify and, and allow young people to develop their, their full potentialities besides education, training, and, and, and the rest. It, in our political systems, a political party probably has a party leader, deputy party leader, national treasurer, national organizing secretary, and a national youth leader. I mean, they're just youth leaders. I mean, what, what is it about, what is it that they're doing within those political parties to ensure that young people fully participate within, within the political structure itself? So young people are footnote. Uh, person with disability. How do we as political parties, for those of us who are actively engaged within political parties, what opportunities have they created within the political parties to enable young people to flourish? That tomorrow you'd have the Orange Democratic Movement having Raila Odinga as the party leader and some, some non-script young person as the deputy party leader because the party has realized his potential. The party has realized that his, he is a... He holds the future and the promise of the party for the future in his hands and give them such opportunities. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so in fact, I'm thinking just the conversations about university and colleges and the, the rise that we are seeing in, in doesn't that work against what we've been trying to do for young people? I, I think we all agree that every single person in this country should have basic education, that Apart from knowing how to read and write, you need to develop your mind to, to think critically. If we start with that as a basic and allow young people to go through formal education or informal education for those who are in formal sector, then young people, not all of us will go to secondary schools. What is it that we want to do with those who get to class eight and not able to continue their education. Um, in, in Kisumu, for example, or using Kisumu as a case point, there are young people who went to primary school, they now know how to read and write, and they have developed a little, some, some, some level of cognitive intelligence. 
and they go into Juwakali, right? Yeah. And they know how to dismantle a whole engine and put it back without having a mechanical engineering degree or whatever that thing is, right? Mm -hmm. But they are the people that we look down upon uh, uh, because our society has not, our orientation as a society is one that appreciates white collar and blue collar jobs and not these other jobs that our people are engaged in. So this young person having gone to Juwakali and learned his trade for a year or two is today able to uh, um, rip the engine apart and put it back together while someone who has gone to university to do mechanical engineering may not have the knowledge of, of uh, the knowledge that may sit at par with, with, with what he has. So I think we need to, apart from education, we need to create opportunities at every stage of our system that allows young people, for those of us who have developed uh, 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 skills, uh, reading and writing skills, then we are able to branch off into uh, um, other avenues that, that would um, help us realize our full potentialities, but most importantly, give us the opportunity to use our creativity and innovation and lead our lives, lead meaningful or gainful lives in whatever sector that is. Today, uh, universities are one shrinking, the cost of education is going up. But then again, for those of us who are able to go to university, then government must make deliberate attempts at, at, at um, investing in the education of young people, writing off loans given to students. While for us, help will be waiting on us to repay amount of money, pay money that we were given in 1984, 1985, or 1990, yet we have not been employed since. So how then are we able to plow back? And I understand where uh, help is coming from. They need to plow back this money so that other students can go to school, but then we have not been employed. So what is it that we need to do? Governments need to invest uh, in the education system, providing the necessary resources so that young people uh, if there's a, uh, um, like in most counties today, I know there are towns in this country that have no single library, right? So how then do you expect young people to, to, to flourish in their education? Uh, universities have libraries, but then again, these students have not paid the fees and, 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 and uh, they cannot sit for exams. They could need to get a card from somewhere so that they can be able to access the exam room. The government has not done enough in terms of uh, expanding opportunities for young people to be at the universities, uh, 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 in my view. So I think governments need to um, in, invest in that. Um, edu uh, education needs to get a, a bigger budget so that um, young people are able to access loans or whatever it is, or grants or whatever it is, so that they can continue their education at the, these universities. To, um, yeah. today, today, government uh, TVET, government allocates TVET students. And for me, that, that, is, that is good. So government allocates uh, TVET institution students and makes payment uh, for them. Um, um, it's, it's ironical that government 
uh, pays subsidized education at secondary school level, then uh, pays for TVET, then the same government is not able to make enough investments for university education. Uh, I, I don't know where the mismatch is, but I hope that that is an area that they need to invest in. At the household conversation level, this generational conversation, how best does a family approach this conversation about um, where young people are uh, and how best can they be able to move forward at a point where the economy is not working very well? The cost of living, of course, is pretty high, and yet you still want to be able to provide you know, academic and economic and educational and social opportunities for your children, you know, father, son, mother, daughter, aunties, elder and younger siblings. I, I think the rain started beating us too early in life. Uh-huh. And, and, and that will, will affect our engagement at, at a household. Uh-huh. Was it one that valued education? Was it one that, that valued hard work? Or was it one that uh, um, did not quite value hard work, but, but, but uh, value money and wealth? So that ultimately, the third, fourth generation of my family would be able to look back and, and see that because we got this education, we are where we are at, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's a story when, when the white came, particularly in Luwanyanza, and people used to go to school around near girls, for example, Maseno School, Sawagongo, Ambira, and, and those other places. Because that is where the white stationed. That is where the white started a school. And it then mm-hmm. followed that people around those areas went to school and did well while at it. There were other families who did not have the, the advantage of proximity to, to, to sites where the white built churches and schools and stuff like that, and they did not go to school. So when those people around white churches and schools value education, they, this other segment is, is left valuing uh, land and livestock and, and livelihoods that do not quite match up with, with, with their counterparts. So, so I think it, it boils down to the, if you come from a family that values education, then it would only be fair for you to take your children to through education, through whatever stage of education that they, they want to be at. Um, um, there are those who value money. And people say, well, what's the reason of going to school? When there is, the main reason why you're going to school is to make money. If you're able to make this money without going to school, I mean, why do you have to? Parents, we need to acknowledge that all children are equal and therefore we need to take them to school. As parents, mm-hmm. we need to acknowledge that it's important. It's the greatest uh, inheritance that we can probably provide for our children is an education. What they do with it is now secondary, but primarily so that all of us will take our children to school, not because Onyango and the Tino's children are going to school, but it's also important for us to take our children to school to provide the basics in terms of knowledge how then do we relieve that so that we are able to create opportunities for children or generations within our households to, to go to school? Uh, but it is important, uh, this is a conversation that we must have as, as, a, as a nation. Today, some people will tell you that person XY has gone to school and he doesn't, he's just here. I mean, both himself and I are within the village. So does it really matter that someone has to go to school? Uh, and these are conversations that people are having within our villages.
Uh, how then do we transform that? Uh, as we close, there's a report that showed about 2 million young people sunk below what in certain quarters is called the poverty line. And a lot of them, according to the poll, are better educated. They're mostly younger and previously had some means of an income. You know, what are some of the immediate ways we can begin to sort of give them an, a hand up within a very tough environment? Allow me to say... Uh, there, there, are, there are sayings that people say along the streets today that um, tough times don't, don't, don't last. We have found ourselves in, in this situation. And no matter how difficult it is, it is important for young people at whatever stage of their lives. They are, they are encouraged, that they are mentored, that they have role models to look up to, that there's a general compass that, that, that guides young people so that they have something to look up to. Today, I think very many young people are going to school than five or 10 years ago. There's, there's a renewed commitment on the part of young people. And, and, and for that, that is something that we need to appreciate and be thankful for, that there are people who are still willing to go the full hog.